It's Tuesday the 19th of January. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Now Shane, there were big droplets of rain in Kingscliff. You're still there. You're going out to um, some fruit emporium today. Tell us about it. Mate, tropical fruit farm. Looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Apparently you can have a jackfruit taco. So wow. who knows what that is. Yeah, it sounds very healthy, but um, it should be fun. The kids are looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Well, we've got a huge show on the way, so let's get cracking. Rob Gilbert's going to get us all the latest in the NFL, plus much, much more. And tennis, tennis, tennis. Oh, what is going on with quarantine? Jaslyn Hewitt is with us. I can't remember a day with such anticipation or a morning with such anticipation for a day's test cricket. I tell you what, Shane, this is, this is a ripper. Mate, absolute ripper. It's coming down to the last day of the fourth test and both teams are in it. A very inexperienced Indian team. And for once now, they're in the box seat here. So they have to get a draw no matter what. The Aussies will be throwing everything at them and will come out. And I think you'll see if Australia's get a few early wickets, we might just get the chocolates here, Timmy. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, let's look at some of the subjects around this because there's been a lot of commentary. Tim Payne, under pressure uh, in his short-term future, really, a skipper of the Australian team. Done well with the bat, but his keeping's been poor and... He's been heavily criticised for his captaincy. What, what do you think? Well, I think let's assess this tomorrow because if Australia wins, his spot's going to be pretty well cemented in for, for quite a while. But uh, if he loses, it's another story. That's how fickle it is these days. I think out of 10 for the series, Tim Payne is probably about a 7 out of 10. I think some of his decisions of um, where he's had the field were, you know, there were quite a few nicks going through that sort of fourth slip area uh, during this test. Saying that, um, if he didn't get 75 runs in the first test, we don't bowl him out for 36 and we probably lose the first test. So from that perspective, he's done well. But then you look at Rahane as a captain. Mate, he is 10 out of 10 this series. He's been fantastic. He's led that Indian team really well. So going to today's play, the pressure's on Rahane. And there's pressure on Tim Payne in the field as well. So uh, let's see how it goes, Timmy. Now, mate, so much was talked about Virat Kohli. Is this series going to be terrible once he's gone? Will Australia just run roughshod over the top of them? Well, they haven't done that. There's been two players that have played in all four tests, and Ajinka Rahane has been extraordinary. You just mentioned him. Is Rahane a better captain than Kohli? Look, I, I think for the team he is, and I would have him as captain. Look, Kohli is one of the greatest batsmen of, of all time. He, he'll go down probably as the best Indian batsman of all time, even surpass Sachin, which is a massive call. Um, but I just feel that he's almost revered by the, the players within the team, and they're almost scared to to put a foot out of line. He, he demanded absolute professionalism from the Indian team from, you know, the players had to be fit, they had to be great in the field and, and, and good catching. But they're almost a little bit, bit scared. I just see a real relaxed Indian team under Rahane. But saying that, would, would Kohli give up the captaincy? I, I doubt it. But I think I, if I was an Indian selector, and I'm not, but if I was, I would have Rahane captain the team and I'd let Kohli go and do all his batting. And I think the team would function a lot better. But time will tell. Yeah, because you don't always have to have your best player as captain, do you? We could go back to that England team where Mike Brearley took over after a tumultuous time. I'm going back a bit, though, but many of the people listening will know what I mean. Brearley wasn't the greatest batsman, but he knew how to get the best out in the players. Yeah, well, Rahane is a good batsman. So um, in, in relation to Mike Brearley, I, I know what you're saying there. But uh, look, it's just it's how the, how the team works. And, um, you know, you've got uh, – you know, I thought young Siraj did really, really well yesterday, taking five weeks, particularly after his dad passed away, but just 
just before he got on a plane. You know, in India, to play cricket is a religion and it would have been a huge thing for him um, to be selected in the Indian team and I'm sure his dad would have loved to see it. He's probably looking down and he shed a tear um, during the national anthem, I think, in the first test. So it was good to see him do some really um, good things. But that's all coming from Rahane and, and, and the captain, allowing these young players to, to do their best. And um, we've seen it throughout the whole series with 21 players on rotation. Each player that's come in has done a really, really good job and stood up. Which, is, which comes from the captain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and look, that point about in and around the best player being the captain, it gets back to the, the that point I was making is like, you know, when you get a, a team in front of you under 12s, often they'll just say, oh, okay, who's the very best? Your captain. But it's not always the best best choice. It's interesting you say that. I, I agree with you. I think Rahane's done a, a great job. He's a steady hand and, and, and he's making them lift. And I think Ravi Shastri's also done an amazing job because he's very uh, aggressive, uh, aggressive in a good way, but he always wants to win, Ravi. And um, we remember from when he whacked Shane Warne all over the place in his first test match at the SCG. Now, just talk about whacking people all over the place. Ben McDermott, Craig's son, 96. I tell you what, I, I think one hit the War Memorial. He, he just smashed the living daylights out of it against the Thunder last night. Made the corner at the biggest six of all time, and I reckon it's pretty much close to it. That was an absolute cannon off the bat there. But, yeah, 96, um, the Hurricanes, you know, did it easy over over the Thunder, chasing uh, five for 177, and ended up four for 181 with I think three overs to spare. Which is, yeah, I mean he's a really really good talent. He also got a hundred in the Australia Ray game versus India. Um, yeah, so um, he's he's definitely a better bat than his dad Billy, <laughs> uh, Billy McDermott. He was um, he's my first roommate and. Uh, no, he's obviously very proud, but um, yeah, real, real talent. It obviously runs in the family. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, he, he belts it. He's quite humble too. Uh, what about today? Does this, you, you said yesterday you think Australia can still win it. Um, it, it is fickle. It's, the, the report card's going to be very different with a different result. It is, mate. I, I said yesterday that we needed to get over 300. 350 would have been nice. But um, yeah, early wickets today. We'll wait and see. And I think that the Aussies now, there's no sort of um, comfortable position here. We have to come out and, and take 10 wickets, as simple as that. We'll, we'll see us be aggressive. You'll see Pat come and stand up. And Hazelwood, I'm tipping him to get 10 wickets for the match here, first time in his career. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, well, let's see how it all plays out. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, there's been so much in the world of tennis, so much controversy. Jaslyn Hewitt is with us. All right, tennis, 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 tennis and quarantine. Shane, it's absolutely everywhere. And joining us is former WTA player and our tennis expert, Jaslyn Hewitt. How are you, Jazzy? Good. Great, guys. How are you? Very good. Good, Jazz. Now, what's the latest on quarantine? Where are we at right now? It seems like a daily a moving feast every day. Yeah, so everything's been changing uh, basically hour by hour down in Melbourne. There's a lot of different players that are in different situations depending on which flight you're on. Uh, currently, 72 players are, are in a hard lockdown, so meaning that they can't go and train. Uh, they can't leave their hotel room. They can't see their uh, coaches or any uh, support staff. So they'll be doing it like any other Australian that comes into the country two weeks uh, in a hard lockdown. 
Yeah, it's interesting before we start sort of scratching at the edges of a few of the stories because there's been some interesting stuff and players having a crack at each other. But um, it's been some interesting improvisation with uh, hitting the ball up against the, the wall and the pillows and the windows. Yes, no, you've got to be creative in these circumstances. I mean, the main highlight or issue for the players coming out of this hard lockdown is not getting enough volume in before the uh, lead-up tournament and then the Australian Open. And one thing that we see as coaches is the spot in shoulder injuries if their serving load is not up. So other than feeling the ball and making sure that their eye is in, it's more the fact with the uh, serving load and making sure their upper body strength, similar to cricket, uh, you can get a massive spike if they come out from not uh, not playing or serving enough and then coming and playing a couple of days back to back and and that's when the injuries happen so it's one thing the uh, trainers and physios need to be aware of and hopefully they're getting enough uh, serving load in in the hotel room so just don't need any windows broken no unfortunately not. now Novak Djokovic he's come out with a bit of a strange wish list did you see that yeah so it it's kind of ironic the way that he's played it out he's given his uh, tour last year where he got a few a few players infected with the virus over there and then now he's come out with a wish list for what's actually best for the players yet alone he's in Adelaide living it up with uh, only another five other athletes so (laughs) it is a bit uh, rich I think coming from him I think he's trying to look like he's doing the right thing um it, it is in a fair playing field now with the players that are in Adelaide and the quarantine uh, exceptions that they have down there. Uh, it is a different state and this is what we are in Australia and we've seen it over the whole course of last year, how different and vast each government is. So um, his, his wish list, okay, uh, pictures I'm seeing of the food, he's asked for better food, but pictures I'm seeing of the food that the players are getting is looks amazing. Uh, there's also Uber Eats and any other delivery service that they want, but the food and uh, food accommodation and the flights, charter flights were all paid for tennis by Tennis Australia. So the players aren't out of pocket at this stage. Mm. I'll tell you what, yeah, they, they live in a false paradigm, some of them. It was, it was, talk about a bit, Rich, it was interesting to see Nick Kyrgios call him a tosser because Nick, you know, it, although he's turned the corner, be careful about how far around the corner you've already turned, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, Nick's, Nick's, I think, been on the right path for the last 24 months. I think the last year has probably put things even in more perspective for him, um, looking at one of his tweets yesterday with his NK Foundation. But, uh, no, each player to their own, and if we can, I think, Australia putting uh, bikes and some fitness equipment in each player's uh, room and I think this is hopefully the step up or the uh, one of the benefits of actually being an Australian player at the moment is playing your your home hometown Grand Slam and you do have some benefits. Hey Jazz, do you think anyone will actually pull out before it gets to the 14-day lockdown? Since they're, they're here already, I, I really struggle to see that happening. Yeah. Uh, you lose first round, you're taking home $100,000. Okay. So it, it is a big paycheck for them, and especially the players that are probably outside the top 20. If they're in the top 20 and they're sick, and I'm, I'm not sure even what the government regulations are for them to leave the country now once they are in quarantine. However, uh any player outside the top 20, if they're taking home 100000 that's that's mm. money that they don't usually see. Yeah, and they need to be careful, don't they? Naomi Osaka has really got some eyebrows raised because she's 
put some pictures up of, of what life is like in Adelaide. And I think that if you're at the top of the tree, you deserve some advantages, but you don't want to rub it in people's faces because um, plenty of those people who are in Victoria on that hard lockdown have not been happy with what they've seen from others. No, definitely. And this is where you've got to show some compassion and empathy for the situation the other players are in. Uh, in the first few flights, it was not one athlete that actually had it. It was a broadcast crew, a hostess and a coach. So the players are actually being penalised from support staff or people working uh, within the event. And this is this is probably the disappointing factor that it is actually a hard lockdown, even though um, were they in close contact? Is this count as a close contact in other, other areas? Um, even given the plane was at 20 or 25% full. So it is extremely disappointing however I think this is this is poignant to what the Australian government is and the lack of control probably Scott Morrison actually has over each state. Hey Jazz I've always wanted to know when, when does the draw actually come out for for a big tournament like this and, and is it out already and do we know who some of the Australian players have got in the early rounds? So the draw will come out uh, usually two days before uh, okay. after the qualifying event because typically the qualifying is played the week before, directly before. Then you'll have the um, draw done and then that allows for lucky losers or people that are injured. Okay. Uh, given where we're at now, the draw won't be done until a couple of days prior to the event and then that will be able to see which athletes are actually uh, in a good condition to then play the Australian Open. Are there injuries after... Mm-hmm the lead-up events um, and and probably allow for COVID to actually take place and who's sick and who's not. Well, the one thing is, uh, and look, thankfully not many of them, you know, I, I don't think, I, don't, I haven't seen many symptoms at all amongst even those that are ill or have contracted the virus as such at this point. But uh, the, the list of players, both in the men's and women's draw, is just Broadway. So once we get there, it's going to be a cracking Australian Open. No, it definitely will. And that was the key thing that uh, Craig Tiley really wanted is to have the depth there. That's why uh, having Roger Federer pull out uh, did hurt. Uh, but having the likes of Tim Djokovic and Nadal all over, over here, I mean, Murray's in doubt, but those big names really are draw cards, and especially on the women's side as well, having Serena, Halep and Osaka all playing as well. So there are the big names. A lot of the uh, the major players are there. The draw cards that, that the Australian spectators want to see will be playing, and, and that's the best thing for the Australian Open to go ahead. I agree. I think one thing you realise is that across all sports, the great players adapt and they'll, they'll work out the best way to get through this tough period leading up to it, and the best players will prevail, I think, anyway. Yeah, probably the one thing that I, I didn't mind out of Novak's list was uh, the ability to see their trainer or coach. I mm. just feel that uh, being in isolation, if you're in a hard lockdown and not being able to see anyone at all and uh, be locked in your room for those 14 days, that's probably more state the mental well-being of the athletes and not being able to have that conversation. I mean, you can do Zoom calls or FaceTime calls, but it's still not mm. the same as actually having that face-to-face, person-to-person conversation with someone that's so close to you like your coach. Well, you're about to just do some coaching right now, so we better let you spin. (laughs) But, Jazz, we'll talk over the next few days as it all hots up towards February. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, American football, so many stories in the States. Rob Gilbert has that and much, much more. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com 
Alrighty, afternoon sport and American football. If you were listening and a very keen observer of gridiron, NFL, American football, whatever you want to call it, and you went to sleep for 20 years, the same name still there, Rob, Tom Brady. Exactly. 43 years old. It's an incredible story, Tom Brady. He... uh left the New England Patriots after six Super Bowls at the end of last season, joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they were enduring a 12-year drought uh, in finals football, and he's, after a wobbly start to the season, led them to the, the conference champions where they'll play Green Bay Packers uh, at uh, Lambeau Field uh, Monday morning, our time coming up. It's an incredible result uh, and, uh, and one that will... Uh, it'd be very difficult to uh, to knock off in, in future years. Just imagine that, 43 years old. I know, Timmy, that you're in the peak of form and you could easily go out there and play golf at the top level. But, uh, you know, Tommy Brady, um, kudos to him. He's an absolute winner, isn't he? Everywhere he goes, he uh, he turns things into gold. It's, as you said, 43 years of age. He's married to a supermodel. He's uh, he's not struggling, is he? But he, he just brings that winning way wherever he goes. He is. And with uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, the former Patriot as well, who uh, moved to the Buccaneers, uh, mm-hmm. they, they make this incredible duo. The, the match uh, in the divisional round that um, that they they won to, to get to the conference championship against uh, the New Orleans Saints, uh, Drew Brees, likely to be his last game, uh, they beat them by 10 points 30-20 um, at the New Orleans Superdome and you know the Saints were, were the favourites of the four matches that were played over the weekend, that was the upset, uh, it was it was an incredible result to see uh, just the gradual game management throughout of, of two Titans because remember that the Drew Brees as well is a 40-year-old quarterback too so it, it, was, uh, it was an amazing match uh, the other uh, conference championship uh, is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning champions, the story there is that uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, the um, the quarterback who who steered them to the Super Bowl last year, was subbed out midway through the third quarter for a concussion protocol. Now we don't have to uh, go into too much detail of the NFL concussion protocols, but they're pretty much the same as the AFL, the NRL, rugby, uh, all of the sports that we follow. And to think that he would be able to turn around a concussion within mm. one week is is going to be difficult. And uh, and Chad Heaney, the uh, the quarterback who who played a handful of games in the last ten years or so, uh, had to come on and uh, and they whistled a a comeback from the Cleveland Browns. They only won by five points in the end. So uh, you'd have to think that um, that the Bills, who we also discussed last week, who uh, had endured four losing Super Bowls in the nineties, um, might be a chance against them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, for him to turn it around from that concussion, I saw the vision. Yeah, uh, they'll be desperate, but uh, boy, oh boy, these days they have to. I mean, there's lawsuits going left, right and centre across so many sports and the NFL is right at the epicentre of concussion and its future lies very heavily on, on what happens over the next few years, to be honest. Robert, uh, Liverpool, they started to wobble a bit. Yeah, they sure have, Tim. So it's an incredibly tight top of the ladder in the the. Um English Premier League uh, at the midway point, so 38 games in total. Each team plays each other twice. Uh, we uh, see that there is one win separating the top four. So it's the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, the reigning champions, and Leicester City, who famously won the title in 2015-16 uh, when they started the season at 5,000 to one. But Spurs and Everton are one and two points behind, respectively. And then lurking mid-table, you've got Aston Villa, Prince William's team, um, mm. no less, uh, who have got three games in hand. So so if you if you give them the three wins, then uh, on the the numbers alone, they're actually on top. Now you, I don't think that that's uh, fair to say that uh, you can automatically give them that. that but 
the fact of the matter is that they are a contender as well. So Jurgen Klopp, uh, he um, is a, an incredible game manager as a manager for Liverpool. Uh, the the big issue that they've got is is uh, that uh, uh, Virgil van Dijk, who has been a rock in defence for them, uh, looks like he's he's not going to come back this season. And uh, and whilst um, they do have incredible depth and uh, and Alison Becker, their their goal, Brazilian goalkeeper, who is just totally world-class and, and managed three first-class saves against Manchester United uh, mm. uh, in the midweek game to secure at least one point um, as opposed to uh, what they probably deserved was a loss. I think Liverpool are, uh, are in a lot of trouble. So anyone who remotely follows the Premier League is in for um, a lot of fun in the back end of the season. COVID yeah. notwithstanding, as uh, you know, tests uh, obviously you know, with any sport at the top level constantly. So, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, an incredibly tight uh, top end of the ladder. Rob, we've had uh, Jason Hewitt on the show today, but what's the word on the ground with the Australian Open in Melbourne, mate? Yeah, look, that's uh, it's an interesting topic, that one, Shane. Uh, I, for me, it just gets down to opinions. And, and what I'll express here is my personal opinion because you, mm-hmm. uh, you could easily ask another person a qu- the same question and they'd say, you know, after the lockdown that, that uh, Melbourne endured, the last thing that we need is to have international people coming in for a tennis tournament when Melbourne people can't get back in from, well, the borders of the restrictions have changed in the last 24 hours, but from uh, international destinations, they just can't get home. My opinion is that we have to start resuming some sense of normality at some point. Now, the the, uh, situation as I see it is that what better hothouse scenario would you have to manage the protocols required to bring international travellers into the country than an Australian Open where you've got a first-class professional organisation under Craig Tiley managing the whole thing. You've got the state of Victoria who've made their own mistakes, let's face it, along the way, but um, seem to have things in hand now. Mm. Everyone putting the spotlight on the tennis to ensure that the whole process is managed as well as it possibly can. Can be managed. So for me, I 100% support the fact that the Australian Open is coming in. I don't necessarily support the likes of Novak Djokovic, who uh, from his um, five-star luxury hotel in Adelaide has written a letter to the Australian Open organisers uh, suggesting a whole range of different relaxations of the restrictions, one of which I thought was fantastic, where he suggested that the players should be able to go to private residential homes where they have tennis courts. It's a lot of thinking put into that one by Novak, yeah. and um, I uh, I would see that uh, the Craig and Daniel Andrews and anyone who uh, had a, a microphone in front of them uh, just whacked him down. Stan Varenka had gone on Twitter and uh, and just he he just responded with a laugh. Yeah. All right, Robbie. Uh, we've covered a fair bit of ground there, mate. And um, one good thing is, we, as we mentioned with Jazla, the tennis is going to be extraordinary because we have pretty much the best of the best. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Talk soon, Timmy. Talk soon, Shane. Thanks, Rob. Take care, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you today to Rob Gilbert, Jaslyn Hewitt. Thank you to our sponsors, Spartan Sports, Shane. Spartan Sports, HQ.com. Really like the livery on the bat, actually. Of uh, Yeah, it looks good, David Warner, doesn't it? Mate, it looks really good, mate. And uh, he would have liked two more runs yesterday, but anyway, that's the way it goes. Yeah, would have got his half century. And, of course, thank you so much. And he was a very, very good soccer player. Actually got denied representation, which is is controversial, but our producer, Dan McHugh, he does have a sporting background. See you tomorrow. See you then, guys.